this guy calls in and says, coach, what are you planning to do about the altitude in Denver? And Chuck Knox said, I can't do a damn thing about the altitude in Denver. So I'm not thinking about it. You know, I can only prepare for the things I can do something about. And you know, that stuck with me for a long, long time. That's essentially stoic philosophy. Hey, forget about the things that you can't influence and concentrate on the things that you can if you want to get something done. Hi, I'm John Yeager, and this is Bloodworks 101. It's the podcast we produce here at Bloodworks Northwest designed to educate or inspire you to give either time, money, or blood. This episode is devoted to the Bloodworks Northwest Research Institute and its new chief scientific officer, Dr. Jose Lopez. Lopez is an award-winning national leader in the blood sciences who, besides having a brilliant scientific mind, just loves sports. He's drawn inspiration from sports stories and the great outdoors as he's risen through the ranks of the blood sciences field in America. This is no small task for a little Mexican-American kid growing up poor in the hills of rural New Mexico. So here's my Zoom interview with Dr. Jose Lopez, new chief scientific officer at the Bloodworks Northwest Research Institute here in Seattle. So I grew up uh, in a village in the mountains, uh, and uh, it was farm and ranching, small farm, small ranch, subsistence farming, actually. So we grew most of our food. All of that exposure to nature, and there was a stream right in the backyard that was full of trout and all of that exposure to nature and being outside uh, really made me interested in science and um, I was always trying to figure things out and when I was in high school I, uh, I had a teacher that said you know you're pretty smart uh, maybe you should go to this program and then I went and got a, a degree in uh, chemistry at uh, my undergraduate college and was wondering how I could still do science without having to move to a place that was super industrial. And I thought, oh, maybe I can do medicine. And I was very naive, but that's how I got into medicine. But I never lost my love for research. Uh, so when, even though I didn't do a PhD, I always wanted to do an investigation. And so um, when I came to the University of Washington, uh, you know, I did uh, straight clinical internal medicine. And then as a hematology fellow, we were expected to, to do research. And at the time, everyone went into a lab. So um, based on a patient that I had seen as a resident uh, with a clotting disorder, I decided to go into um, hematology because I wanted to study platelets. And, um, and from that, I went into a biochemistry laboratory, which I really loved because my undergraduate degree was in chemistry and I loved chemistry. And so being able to combine uh, those things was really good. And, and also then to determine how um, these things were, were applicable to human disease. Um, but uh, so I come from a quite impoverished area of New Mexico and in my high school we didn't have physics we didn't have chemistry for example so in, in the, uh, at the University of Washington 
I think that, uh, so I was looking at the, at the uh, faculty at the Department of Medicine, and I think that we have over 1,100 faculty in, in that department. And I could only identify two Mexican-Americans among that faculty. So it's very rare. It's, it's, it's not as rare to go into medicine, but it's very rare to go into uh, basic science. Uh, it's so unusual. Like, let me just tell you, like in my hometown, before me, there had been one person from the town, and it was right before me, who had ever gone to medical school. There were no doctors. What's the biggest challenge ahead for uh, the Research Institute right now? Well, we've uh, shrunk down to a pretty small size, and I think the biggest challenge is to uh, maintain that and to um, to recruit new investigators so that we can we can uh, start growth again. I, I really feel like I see uh, potential in people. I'm not a, a person who uh, dismisses people offhand just because they don't have the right pedigree or they, they may fail initially. What I look for more is desire. Like somebody really wants to do something. They really want to learn something. Uh, those people I try to nurture as much as possible. And I've had really some spectacular successes from people who came uh, didn't know anything, <laughs> came into the lab and, you know, a lot of people criticized me, in the lab criticized me because it's kind of a labor intensive thing to deal with them because they don't know anything, they need to learn everything. And uh, <clears throat> for example, I had a, a, a student from Mexico who, when I was in Houston, came to my laboratory as a student for the summer it was clear that he was very smart, uh, but he didn't know anything. And when he graduated and I had moved up here, he said, uh, can I come to the lab? Well, he, um, he came, he stayed here for five years and then he applied for residency and he got in because of what he had done here. He had had a few papers. He got into a really good residency in Dallas at the University of Texas Southwestern. And from there, he got into a very nice uh, pediatric uh, hematology uh, program in University of Colorado. And now he's, um, he's a faculty member there and he's doing extremely well. And he, uh, he, he gave a seminar here last month and it was really a nice seminar. So very proud of him. <laughs> I think it's uh, kind of the search for objective truth that um, that there are ways that you can probe the universe that should give you answers based on certain rules. It's not an opinion. It's a, you know, the way you interpret things could be kind of an opinion, but but there are many, many, many ways that you can uh, you can probe physical and biological processes that tell you whether or not what your opinion is, is correct. Sometimes you don't know the exact answer, but you can know what it isn't.
Well, I, I heard once that Thomas Edison came up with what hundreds of failed designs for the light bulb until he found out <laughs> what it was, but only because he found out what it wasn't first. Right, right, exactly. And I don't, I don't believe necessarily that anything is a known fact. Um, so sometimes you see things that like you learn that something is a certain way and then you see a lot of evidence that's against that. I keep my mind open that perhaps our interpretation was incorrect. So I think that has helped me a lot in my scientific career. Blood is the vital, vital fluid in our bodies. And sometimes uh, through disease or through blood loss or whatever, we don't have enough of it. And uh, the way that we as humans have figured out to deal with that is through blood transfusion. Uh, so it's blood, but blood, uh, it's perishable. So you have to keep it stocked and it's also dangerous because it's a biological fluid that could carry diseases, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very important that we, that we continue to work to understand it better. And that's, that's part of how what we do in the Research Institute is connected to uh, blood transfusion. I guess the other thing I'd say is that we always try to, in some way, uh, put ourselves out of business uh, to understand to understand uh, blood better and better so that we, we have to use less and less of it. And uh, maybe that we can develop other ways that we could treat the same problems. Where does Jose Lopez see the Research Institute in the next three to five years? Well, I hope that in three to five years we have recruited uh, three or four new investigators uh, and that we're thriving and that we're doing a lot of uh, projects that are uh, internally collaborative as well as externally, and that we're that we're attacking uh, important important problems, not trivial problems, and that um, we become a place that people want to come to. That's always in my thinking of growing a program is to make some place that people want to go to, and the kind of people that we want to attract are those very creative people and so uh, if you build the right environment a creative person gets in there and their sparks are going off all over the place and it's just it's just a, a high for them to to be in a place like that and if we can achieve that then we will be super successful To achieve success, Jose Lopez has always drawn inspiration from sports. As a Seattle Seahawks fan, he remembers the day back in the 80s when a Hawks fan called into a talk show to talk to Chuck Knox, the Seattle Seahawks head coach at that time. Uh, the uh, Seahawks were in the AFC West and they were tied with the Denver Broncos. Or they were very close with the De Denver Broncos and they were going to play the Broncos the next Sunday. And uh, so this guy calls in and says, Coach, what are you planning to do about the altitude in Denver? And Chuck Knox said, I can't do a damn thing about the altitude in Denver. So I'm not thinking about it. I can only, you know, I can only prepare for the things I can do something about. 
And, you know, that stuck with me for a long, long time. That's essentially Stoic philosophy. Forget about the things that you can't influence and concentrate on the things that you can if you want to get something done. So I always tell people that, like, you know, like people will call me, uh, they put in their grant applications and they say, okay, they're going to review tomorrow and new so-and-so is on the committee and blah, 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 blah. And they're all worried and they, they want to know what I think. And I say, forget about it. You're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy because you can't do anything about it. Whatever happens is out of your hands. So now this is just useless, wasted energy. Okay, one last sports analogy from Jose Lopez. It's about the little things that often make a big difference between success and failure for grant applications. Oh, and it's a little bit about basketball too. When you're, uh, again, when you're applying uh, for, a, for a grant, whatever type of grant it is, I always, I always tell them first, make sure you make your free throws because free throws are supposed to be kind of free. Nobody's guarding you. Uh, you, if, if you should practice that, you should always get those points because you can lose by one point and it was because you didn't hit a free throw. So free throws in this case are the things in an application that are easy, but they count, (laughs) they count. And so don't ignore them and make sure you hit them. And here's something that I think is really important to include. In addition to donating blood to help maintain an adequate blood supply, you might want to consider donating money for research purposes, the kind of research that saves lives. Your gifts will impact our medical researchers to accelerate the development of life-saving and life-changing therapies and treatments for people such as those affected by COVID-19. Every dollar is a step towards getting someone the blood, the cure, or the treatment they need when they need it. Just go to bloodworksnw.org forward slash give a gift. Well, that's just about it for this edition of Bloodworks 101. I'm John Yeager. See you next time.